welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again with my wonderful wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. And there she is to my left. And we're glad that you're back with another episode of the study of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, We're coming up on chapter 12 in the study of the Acts of the Apostles. I hope that you've um, listened to all the other chapters so far. If you've skipped to this chapter, that's fantastic as well, too. Uh, At least you're getting a portion of the scripture and kind of the story of what is going on. So we're going through the book of Acts and we're just kind of looking at the uh, the narrative, the the story as to what happened, how the gospel spread um, from the Jews to the Gentiles. We've gone through uh, so many different stories so far. We've one of our favorite chapters we did was chapter 10, where Cornelius uh, receives the gospel and the gospel goes to the Gentiles. Chapter 11, we see. Peter go back to Jerusalem, and he is uh, questioned by those who are in Jerusalem, the church there, as to why he is sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. They don't really understand that because they're not circumcised, they're considered unclean. Um, And Peter relates the story of the vessel or the uh, sheet, the blanket, being laid down or let down from heaven. Um, and the vision that he had for the gospel to spread. So we see there's a couple different things that are going on. We're coming into chapter 12, and so we're going to start on that. Um, stick around at the end of this episode. Uh, there's a, a special me- special message that I kind of want to relate to everybody. Um, so if you don't mind sticking around after we get done. And uh, we're going to start off with verse 1. We'll do what we always do. She'll read the scripture. We'll stop Paul's kind of go over uh, what we're talking about. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. All right, so uh, we're going to pause right there real quick. So we got a couple different things going on here. You, you, If you've read your Bible or you've heard the stories, you know there was a, a Herod who was after Jesus when he was a baby, and there was there's different Herods. Um, so this is, this is the man, Herod Agrippa. If you think of it in the terms of um, Pharaoh, so there were different Pharaohs. That was just what they called them, Pharaoh. So this is kind of a similar situation. You have Herod Agrippa. You have Herod the Great. You have Herod Antipas. You have a couple different Herods. Um, Herod the Great's the one who chased after Jesus. Herod Antipas is the one who beheaded John the Baptist. And so this is Herod Agrippa. He is the grandson of Herod the Great. And he's been appointed by the Romans over this region. Um, and he's really here to persecute the Christians. And so if you don't mind reading one more time, he kills off somebody right there. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Right. So now I want to re- I want to kind of pass off something here that a lot of people don't, don't are not aware of. So James, who is killed there, James um, is the brother of John who wrote the Gospel of John. Um, but James and John were also with Jesus, and Jesus gave them. I'm flipping in my Bible here, so if you hear the pages turning, um, I, I want to read a verse out of uh, Matthew chapter 20 um, that Jesus reads or, or says to. Um, James and uh, believe John here. So let's read in 20 and 23. He says, and he said unto them, ye shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and to sit on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. So they're asking uh, these two men, James and John, asked Jesus if they could sit on his right and left hand when they were in the kingdom. And Jesus here gives them a prophecy that they don't understand. And he says, you're going to drink of the baptism that I drink of. And that baptism is death. That baptism is where Christ is crucified. Here, James 
is killed uh, by the Romans. He is killed by Herod, um, and there's not, a, there's not a great description as to how he's killed, but beheading was often common. Um, either the sword was ran through him or his head was cut off. Um, so that's who they is, the scripture is talking about here. James from Matthew chapter 20, who asked if he could sit at the right hand or left hand of Jesus. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions okay, that's, that's of a... soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Okay, so we're going to stop there. There's a lot right there, right? So there's a big word of soldiers that we can't count. That's 16. So he turned them over to 16 soldiers, and he put them in prison. He put Peter, he, that's who he's captured here, and he's got Peter in prison. He intends to kill Peter, um, but he's going to wait until... After Easter. After Easter. So we run upon... This is a very... I'm not going to get too deep into this. We're going to come around to um, some... What was the thing we were going to do? Um, where we talk about the facts in the Scripture. Seeking the truth. There it is. Seeking things. the truth. Yeah. So we'll get back around to Easter. Uh, but right here in the, this is really interesting in the passage because uh, in my studies, if you read a lot of the commentaries, there is so much, um, there, every, there's so many people going so many directions on this one word, Easter. There are those who are uh, incensed in the, in the commentaries who are absolutely angry that this word is in the scripture. It doesn't belong there. It has no business being in the Bible. It should just say it, Passover. Um, and then there are those who say, no, Easter is a Roman pagan holiday. And the commentaries, you know, it, it's so one one way or the other. Um, and what it turns out to be is the people who don't want this in the, this word in the scripture say, believed that Easter was when we celebrated Jesus' resurrection. The other commentaries and the commentators that were on it were saying, this was a Roman holiday. This is why they waited to kill, this is why they waited to kill peace, uh, Peter. Yeah, why would they wait to kill a disciple of Jesus until after a holiday celebrating Jesus. Correct. So they, they captured him at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which occurs after Passover. It's the seven days after Passover. So Passover is going by. Um, it's not like they're waiting on a Jewish holiday to end to kill him. Um, they come upon and, and again, we'll get into um, I'll give you some stuff real quick. Um, Easter comes from the Saxon word Estra, which is the goddess of spring. Um, that's the, the relation there. So back in 325 AD, Constantine and the Council of Nicaea um, decided, they believed, they believed that the resurrection of Jesus happened on a Sunday. They didn't have any scripture to prove it, but that's just what they believed. And so they would celebrate. This is why Easter doesn't fall, follow at the same time as Passover, because they wanted to separate themselves from the Jewish people, because they saw them as those who crucified, or, you know, crucified their Messiah. So Passover is like the first, I believe it's the first... Uh, close to the first weekend of the new moon in uh, April. And so Easter would fall to be the second, you know, second Sunday after that, because they wanted a, they wanted a separation from the Jews. And the council of Nicaea is the one who determined, well, Jesus rose on a Sunday. That must've happened. Even though we've talked about it before that this doesn't even make sense in a biblical terms for Jesus to say he's dead three days and three nights, be crucified on Friday and rise again Sunday morning. It doesn't make sense. That's not a three-year-old could do that math and realize this is not accurate. Um, so a lot of that was laid out by the Council of Nicaea. We're going to see a verse later on that's going to show something else too. Um, and the Council of Nicaea was a Roman Catholic uh, organization put together by Constantine. So continue on. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shone through 
in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. All right, so we got Peter. He's in prison, and Herod is intending to kill him because he knows it's going to make the Jews happy. Um, This is really the persecution of the church. What you have to understand here is that Herod makes the same mistake that the Roman Catholic Church is making today. Herod assumed, because we killed off James, right? We just killed James. If we kill off Peter, then the house is going to fall. If we knock out the columns, the house is going to fall. So he's looking at Christianity as riding on the backs of James and Peter. And if I can kill these two off, then Christianity itself as an organization, a belief structure will collapse because Peter apparently is the greatest, right? So that's what he's thinking. And we saw in the last chapter that Peter was not seen that way. He even knew he wasn't that way. Um, But Herod thought he was. So Herod throws him in prison, and one of the customs that it was is that if you had someone who was important, you would assign them 16 guards. These 16 guards would rotate all day long to make sure that the prisoner was not uh, taken out of prison or that he escaped. And so here you have Peter in the cell, and he's chained by two chains to two men. Um, The men are on the left and right, and both of his hands are chained to those men that are beside him. There are two guards outside of the gate, uh, the prison cell there, that are watching to make sure that nothing happens. Um, This is this was a way they would keep the high, you know, high-profile criminals that they were going to execute, that they were afraid that the people would try to liberate. So they wanted to keep them locked up. They didn't want him to get out. So we come to the scripture there, um, and Peter is laying on the ground. He's asleep. Are just sleeping beside him. So he's 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 asleep. He's resting for the evening. Now there's some interesting things that are going to come up in the in the jailbreak of Peter, um, which are going to make you kind of wonder what Peter here um, has determined is going to happen to him. Uh, Peter's in the in the jail, and now an angel appears to him. Correct? Can you read that one more time? And the angel said unto him, "No, wait a minute." And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Right. So he, there's an angel in there, and the light wakes him up, right? So it doesn't wake up the two men who are beside of him. Um, they're still asleep, fast asleep. The chains fall off. He, he wakes him up. Uh, in some commentary, it says it's a gentle wake up, and some it says it's a, he slaps him on the side and tries to wake him up. Um, one of the things that, you know, the men if they're, that are beside him don't see, they don't, obviously don't see the bright light. Um, it could have been a possibility that Peter was the only one who saw it. This is the only one God revealed this angel to. Uh, I'm sorry, angel revealed to Peter. Um, but he slaps him on the side and he says, get up. Now, while he's doing this, uh, we go back up to uh, verse, uh, let me get my verse here, uh, back up around verse 5. The the body, the believers in Christ are praying for him. They're praying fervently because they have no other alternative. You've got to understand when Herod rolls in, Herod is now persecuting the Christians. He's captured up James and killed him. He's captured up Peter and he's got him in chains intending to kill him. So these people are afraid and all they know that we can do, all we can do is pray. And this is really indicative of of where we're at in our lives with, with God sometimes. There's a lot of things that we can't do anything about. There's a lot of situations in our own life that we don't have any control over. And the only thing that we can do is pray. And, uh, you know, believers, that's what we should do. A lot of times that's where we should find ourselves in constant, fervent prayer um, because it does make a difference. So let's continue on. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about me, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel. 
but thought he saw a vision. Okay, so this is so Peter here is a, the angel tells him to get up, get dressed, put your shoes on, grab your coat, grab your garment, gird yourself up, you know, wrap up. We're leaving. Um, so then he starts heading out, and Peter, and even himself, cannot believe what's happening. He thinks he's asleep. He thinks he's dreaming. He thinks he, I must be having a vision. This can't be real. I'm chained up. I'm in prison. This is not happening. Um, so Peter is still kind of, this kind of reminds me of when uh, when the blanket was let down. He had a hard time understanding what God was saying because in his mind, he realized this is how I've always been. And so I think at this point too, I want to point out that Peter is in prison and he knows he's going to die. And I think, and I can't prove it, but I think Peter has come to terms with that. I think he has come to terms that I'm going to die for the cause of Christ, for Yeshua. I'm going to die for him and I'm good with that. And so now he sees he's not, he's getting, he's going to be brought out and he's just having a hard time understanding is I got to be asleep. This what's going on. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. So this is interesting. It's not until he gets out of the prison, he's through the gates. Now, uh, cool enough, the Bible says that the gate opens up of its own, that no one opens the, the gate just opens. Imagine uh, Noah on the ark that God shut the door. Here God is opening the gate so Peter can get out. So Peter goes out into the streets and it's not until he's out of the prison and he's in the streets that he's just like, I, okay, this is really happening. Surely, God himself is setting me free from prison. This is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. Um, which is, again, I think he had come to the point in his mind that he realized he was going to die. And I think he had he had set his heart that he was okay with that. And now he realizes that God did not have that plan for him, that I need you out of prison. I need you out for a reason. Um, so he brings Peter out. And then uh, I think it said forthwith, something like that, that the angel... Um, the angel left him. Yeah, the angel was gone. So once, and I, that's the thing that people, I think we often, there's a lesson right there that we often miss is that God will bring us through things, but when we get through them, sometimes he continues to let you go on your way. It's, uh, you know, the Christian life is not like God has got us by the legs and he's dragging us everywhere he wants us to go. And we have no other alternative um, than to uh, be taken. And, you know, the, he does guide and direct our lives. But here's a good example of God bringing someone out of a trial, out of a bad situation, and then leaving them to their own device by, you know, He's like, okay, the now, yeah. go ahead. now go ahead and, and go about your business. So um, it's really cool to see that in what Peter's got going through here. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. All right, so Peter goes, he goes immediately over to John's house because he's, he's going to talk to the people there. He goes and knocks on the gate. Now, uh, again, remember they were inside and they were praying. They had the gate locked. It's nighttime. They've got it locked because uh, obviously Herod is intent on rounding up Christians, believers, these believers that are there. And they are inside with the gates locked and they're praying because I'm sure they didn't know what to do. Um, and then Rhoda comes out. Rhoda is a Greek name. It means uh, roses or rose. And uh, she hears Peter. She hears his voice on the other side of the gate. Um, and she recognizes it, which means she was present when Peter, uh, Peter had preached before. She had heard him before. Um, 
And I think you would have to hear someone a lot to recognize their voice. You would have to be around someone a lot. In this instance, Rhoda is a servant to the household there, and her job would be, uh, you know, just um, kind of at their beckoning call doing what they ask. But she was she was faithful to the Lord. And so here she is. She hears his voice, and she's overjoyed. And she gets so happy that she forgets to even open the door. And I think there are people, we've had those instances in our lives to where the Lord has overjoyed us with something. And we've been like so caught up in the joy of the moment that we forget kind of what we're doing, you know. And so that's what happens here. So she runs inside to tell everybody, hey, Peter is standing outside the gate. And they said unto her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then they, then said they, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. All right, so that's a, yeah, it's crazy. So they, they tell him, you're mad, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Peter's not out there, he's in prison, you know. Um, and so they say, well, it must be his angel. Um, originally, I think a lot of people, when you read this, you think it, it means, well, Peter must be dead, and he's standing, you know, his his angel's standing at the gate. That's not what it means. His um, ghost. Right. And the Jewish custom, uh, in, even to these early Christians here, they believed that every believer, every person had a guard angel. And so what they're saying here is it must be the guardian of angel of Peter standing outside the gate. Maybe he's here to tell us that Peter's dead. Um, so that's what they're assuming is that it's his good. So that's the, the, that's his angel. It's his guardian angel. That's out there. It's, you know, he's not out there. Um, so that's what they're talking about. So they open the gate and they see Peter standing there. But he beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison and he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now, as All right. So let's hold on right there. I want to stop there for a second. Um, so uh, the, he t- says, Go and tell James. He's talking to us. Uh, there's a greater James and a lesser James. Greater James is the one who was just killed. This, there's, he's talking about the lesser James here. So Peter goes, Now, understand what he just did. He got out of prison. He goes to the house of John. They open the door. He throws his hands up because they're all making a murmur about, Oh, my goodness, there's Peter, you know. And he's like, Hold, just be quiet. So. He tells them uh, how God had delivered him from prison. He tells them, and he's alive, and he's okay, and he's going to be fine. And then he leaves. Um, so you would think that he would come to their house, and he would hide out there, and he would hang out with them, you know, and kind of, um, which I think in this instance, a lot of times, I think this really shows you something. It shows you that sometimes all we need to do is tell other people about the goodness of God. It doesn't need to be a long, drawn-out thing. We don't have to hang around. Sometimes it just needs to be the two seconds out of your day to say, man, you know what the Lord did for me today? And that's what Peter's doing here. He found the believers to let them know he's okay. But more than that, he told them about what God had done to rescue him from prison. And then he went on his way. Um, Now, this is a really interesting portion of Scripture that needs to be addressed. Peter leaves here and nobody knows where he goes. He disappears here. He's gone. The Roman Catholic Church makes the assumption or makes the statement that Peter went to Rome. He left here and he went to Rome to establish the Roman Catholic Church. That is not in the scripture. It is not in the Bible. Peter doesn't show up again until Acts chapter 15 and he's in Jerusalem. He never left and went to Rome. What he did was he knew Herod was trying to kill him, so he went to hide. And more than likely, he stayed local because in Acts chapter 15, he shows up in Jerusalem. This is where they get the idea that Peter took off and went and established the church in Rome, and so that the Roman Catholic Church is the dominant church, and Peter is the head and all that. 
didn't happen. There's no scripture to support that at all. None. And, uh, and you've got a whole doctrinal belief that's be- believed on, uh, you know, I think the, the St. Peter's Square is what they call the right St. There. Peter's yeah. Basilica. Exactly. And because that's the claim is that Peter left here and went to Rome and it didn't, it doesn't happen in the Bible. It's not there. You're not going to find it. Um, so that's really interesting to point out that, you know, there, uh, we've got to be really careful about what we assume because religions are built off of assumptions a lot of times. Now, as soon as it was day, there were no, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. And they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend desired peace, because their country was nourished by the king's country. Oh, there's the cat. (laughs) And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a god, and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Uh, so we got a really unhappy ending for Herod Agrippa. So uh, real important there is that uh, Peter has disappeared. Uh, the, the soldiers, you have to understand the soldiers who woke up, you've got 16 men who realize they've just lost the most important criminal in the area in Judea and Samaria and all those areas. And they're afraid because they know what's going to happen. So you have to, you have to imagine that they are, um, they're interrogated to find out where they're at and where Peter went and what's going on. And then Herod gets so incensed by what they've done that he kills all 16 men. He kills them all. He has them all put to death because they lost Peter. Um, Later on, he goes down, and then the people start glorifying Herod and, uh, you know, calling him God and saying he must be a God, even though he's not done anything. Um, and I think their their gratitude was is that Herod was providing for them. This is a time of famine. Um, famine, remember in the last chapter, it said that dearth struck the land. This is a time of famine, and Herod's been providing them food. And so they, uh, they proclaim that Herod is God. And Herod, instead of turning away from that and saying, no, 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 I'm not, he, he kind of goes along with, yeah, yeah, maybe I am. Yeah, I'm great. And that angel of the Lord's like, yeah, we're not having any of that business, you know? And so he shuts Herod down and he shut him down in a hard way, you know? Um, so it's, it's a, it's a lesson for being careful, uh, about who we proclaim to be and who we follow and who we think we are. So this is a really interesting chapter of Acts. Um, we're going to read on a little bit more and we're almost done here. So finish up. But the word of God grew and multiplied and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Ah, yes, we left that last one off there. So uh, we see that, that Saul and Barnabas are coming in and the gospel is spreading. It's continuing to spread even though the persecution itself is growing in the land. Um, Herod's attempt to get rid of Peter after he got rid of James. One of the things I'd like to point out real quick about this chapter is once again, we have a believer who was put to death for the cause of Jesus Christ. He wasn't raised from the dead. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't resurrected. He wasn't called back by a group of friends. He wasn't, there wasn't any kind of supernatural, um, intervention on his behalf. 
Um, God, and you can, people can believe what they don't want to hear, but God allowed him to die. I mean, that was, it was his time to go and the Lord allowed him to die. On the other hand, God rescues Peter. Um, so God's providence is his and what he chooses to do is his. Um, and we have, honestly, he can do what he pleases. Um, but it's all in, in the advancement of the gospel through, uh, the Gentile nations. So that's what we see here. So coming to the end of chapter 12, um, we're going to go into chapter 13 next week. Uh, these, uh, you know, when you get into the study of these things and you start learning a, a little bit about the history of who these people were and where they came from, um, it's really interesting. I would encourage you to go back in and study on Herod Agrippa, maybe all of the different Herods that were in the area at the time and what they did, um, the areas and the provinces they controlled, um, because you have to understand that the Jews were very controlled by the Romans. This is the whole purpose. They didn't believe in Messiah. They wanted a Messiah to come in and free them of their captors, the Romans. They wanted them run out. They wanted the kingdom set up in Jerusalem at the time. And they couldn't accept Jesus because he came as a suffering Messiah, not the conquering king. So uh, that's, you know, that's, that's the end of chapter 12. We'll get to chapter 13 next week. Now I'd mentioned before, um, if you, a uh, special message at the end of this, if you have an opportunity, um, I'm going to ask, and we never ask for money. I don't ever ask for money, but I will use my platform here to uh, help some friends, help a friend out. Um, if you can go to GoFundMe and you look up um, a man named Dustin Mills, D-U-S-T-I-N-M-I-L-S, Dustin Mills. Did I spell that right? I don't know I if don't I did. Know. Um, look up there. He is uh, needing money to help his father. It's called Renovation to Home. You should be able to find it on GoFundMe. And, uh, you know, we don't know how many people actually listen to our podcast. We don't know if you want to help. We don't know if you're, you know, you're moved by the Spirit of God to do anything. Um, but I'm asking that if you're you know, pray about it. And if you have the opportunity, we know people are going to listen to this episode. So if you have the opportunity to give five, $10, help the guy out. Um, his father has diabetes. He's got a lot of repairs on his house that needs to be done. And a lot of times in our lives, we don't have options. A lot of people don't have the money to get things done. Um, and it's really a safety issue. Um, he's worried about his dad. So, uh, we know we all have parents and, and sometimes we worry in different ways. And uh, as a believer, when we see something that is good to do, we should do it. That's what the body of Christ is about and what we should do. So if you, you want to go over there, look on GoFundMe, look for Renovation to Home by Dustin Mills. He's asking for money to help out with his dad. And I just want to use our platform to say, you know. And it's legit. Yeah, it's absolutely legit. Good. He's a good brother in Christ. I've known him for a long time. And uh, there's a definite need there that's not, you know, give me some money. I'm going to rip you off. It's a, it's a real deal. So if you give to that, we'd appreciate it. If you, if you don't have time for that, that's fine. Follow whatever the Lord wants you to do. That's the most important thing. And uh, we hope that you have a great week and you're blessed and we will catch you next time on the abnormal christian bye